Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. You know, the last couple of days I've, I've been hearing from several people who are, are just, they're suffering. And I'm, I'm to say that, I'm really sorry if that's you, if you're in a place of suffering today. I'm, uh, I just want you to know you're suffering like all things. Uh, there will be a time when it will be dramatically diminished or it will end altogether. So our suffering also can remind us of the better times in life. And to try to live today in the middle of difficult circumstances with the knowledge today that God is with us and we can trust him through your feelings of stress, anxiety, or just feeling overwhelmed. So may God's great comfort be your place of rest today, even if your emotions are stress and overwhelmed. So thank you for joining me today. I've got Rob Bluey. He's the executive editor at the Daily Signal to get things started. My Washington, D.C. correspondent. Rob, welcome. Hey, Bill, it's good to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Now, you know, when I look at some of the things going on in Washington right now with the decision coming out by the Supreme Court, the, the Roe v. Wade, it looks like, Rob, it could be a summer of protests and violence. And what else could we anticipate with that ruling just around the corner? Well, Bill, of course, this was a uh, quite unusual situation to begin with. Uh, never before have we had a Supreme Court opinion leak out of the court. And that has really, uh, I think, uh, changed the dynamics entirely. You have a situation already where we're still waiting on the official ruling and the protests have already started, uh, not just here in Washington, D.C., but in the, the suburbs where the the six justices live, uh, the six justices being the conservative just, justices who very well may sign their names on to the majority opinion. And so, yes, I think that we can expect more of this. Uh, we have our team at the Daily Signal out tracking and reporting on what's happening. And uh, we want to make sure that the American people know uh, that sometimes people take it to the extreme. This is a passionate issue. We know Americans care deeply about this issue. Uh, it's uh, literally uh, life is at stake here. Uh, in in this case, and uh, and that's why those of us who who believe in the pro life cause and have have worked uh, for for years, decades, even now, uh, going on fifty years since the Roe v. Wade decision, are hopeful and and continue to pray uh, that this decision will be handed down in the next uh, few weeks. Yeah, Rob, do you hear any chatter about the kind of violence that could break out? And I'm not speaking in in targeted cities. I'm talking about this could happen all over America. Well, certainly right here in Washington, D.C., there have been threats to attack the court itself, to burn the court down. Uh, they've been quite vocal about that. So I think that the, the, the security presence on Capitol Hill, where the Supreme Court is located, uh, will continue to be uh, high uh, from now until probably the months to come. Um, in terms of what could happen elsewhere, you're absolutely right, Bill. I mean, we don't know exactly where the protests will pop up, but I would venture to guess that state capitals will be a target. And the reason I say that is because this is going, if the decision as it was drafted in February holds and it's uh, it's handed down in some form or fashion similar to what we've already seen, and we know that that draft was authentic, the court has, has said so itself, 
uh, the issue will go back to state lawmakers. And so that's where the activity will most likely take place. And you think you're going to see Americans on both sides of the issue probably head to those state capitals and, uh, and look for opportunities to either protest or, or rally behind lawmakers who take action uh, to defend life. So, uh, look, anything is possible. My, my hope and prayers are, are, are that Americans will resolve this in a civil way without resorting to violence. But I think as too often we've seen in the past, Bill, it's, uh, it's a situation where uh, sometimes the, uh, the passions get a little bit too heated. And uh, for those who, who are really deeply concerned uh, about the overturning of Roe, um, I, I, I would just tell them, I would caution them. I thought Clarence Thomas, uh, the, the, the senior justice on the Supreme Court, made a very good point. Uh, when you see Christians or conservatives lose cases, you don't see them turn out at the justices' houses uh, in the form that, that we're seeing in the last couple of weeks. And so I would hope that that same respect would be on the other side as well. Mm-hmm. Rob, don't we always see the Supreme Court as the, the, the place where they call balls and strikes? They're not looking necessarily to influence uh, an outcome in any way. They're just seeing what the law says and what's constitutional and what is unconstitutional. That's right. And, and I think you can go back to the original decision in 1973 of Roe v. Wade, and that was an example of how the court made a grave error uh, in, in trying to intervene in a situation that, frankly, Bill, should, should have been left to the state lawmakers and to the people ultimately to decide on this issue. Uh, that's uh, where it belongs. It doesn't belong in the hands of judges to get involved in, in these types of uh, debates. Uh, the judges should be ruling on what's in the Constitution, and there is no right to abortion in the Constitution. And so this was uh, an error that, uh, as you read in, in Justice Alito's draft opinion, uh, he's hoping to correct, and we hope that a majority, at least five justices, uh, sign their names onto that opinion uh, from Justice Alito. But uh, when it comes to the, the fundamentals of just what the court is supposed to do, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think we expect our judges to do to do that, um, to, to call balls and strikes, uh, to interpret the Constitution uh, faithfully, uh, not try to invent rights that, that aren't there. Uh, we hear some on the left, you know, talk about empathy. We talk we hear them talking about a, a living Constitution, one that evolves over time. And I think that that is not uh, what our founders intended uh, when they drafted that document and why we should be adhering to uh, what the document itself says. Mm-hmm. All right, Rob, I want to ask you about uh, the border and the situation in Title 42, I know, which is uh, uh, up for discussion right now as well. But I, I'm curious about the pr- what is the premise about the current border policy? Are we saying that we want uh, that we are America and we want anyone and everyone who wants to be here to be here? Or are we saying we are America and we want anyone and everyone who wants to be here to be here but we will insist the procedure for coming into our country to be fair, reasonable, and for the safety of the country. Well, that is absolutely right. I think it's the latter of the two choices you gave me, at least in my perspective. I'd say, I'd say the, you know, the conflict that we sometimes have as, as, as Christians, Bill, is that we do want to be as welcoming and to help others who are in need. And I think we see people coming to the United States because they see the opportunity here. They see the great life that so many of us have. You started the, sh- the show by talking about those who, who may be struggling. And let's face it, we have our own share of problems here. Uh, but, I mean, we have it much better off on a whole than, uh, than, than individuals who are coming from Mexico or some of the Central American countries predominantly. 
and they mm -hmm. see they see what opportunities exist at the same time there is a legal process that we have for immigrating to this country and we have had that in place in the united states more so than any other country in the entire world is a, is a welcoming country we're just asking people to follow the process the immigration process uh, to become a, a, a U.S. citizen or to to enter our country legally, and that has not happened. It's not happened for a number of years. It's ha not happened for decades, frankly. And there are mistakes that we've made in our past, like granting amnesty. There are mistakes that we're making right now, which is is in some cases the Department of Homeland Security just blanket failure to enforce immigration laws or undo the policies that President Trump put in place. And that, that most recent one that you just mentioned, Title 42, is an example of not even an immigration policy, but a public health policy put in place right. during the COVID pandemic to keep people from coming to our country and bringing this disease into the United States of America. We're already dealing with resurgent strands of Omicron and other uh, other variants that are, are, are you know, continue to... to to, to plague our country in, in many ways. We have a, the Biden administration, which is still in, in enforcing uh, COVID restrictions on the American people, and yet they want to lift it when it comes to the illegal aliens who are, are crossing the border. And so what does this mean? Well, already they've stopped uh, utilizing it to its full extent. But I think if they got rid of it, it would send a signal to illegal immigrants um, uh, not only, you know, from the, the ones who are, are, are there right on the cusp of the border from crossing, but people who are thinking about making that long journey and trek, and it would give them an incentive to, to try to do this. Uh, they, they might know that um, once Joe Biden leaves office, whenever that may be, uh, the next administration may not be as friendly. And so it is a massive problem. People have talked about, Ken Cuccinelli was on the Daily Signal podcast yesterday talking about how the numbers could go from 7,000 uh, to 18,000 uh, per day. We, we just set an all-time record of 234,000 apprehensions in the month of April. So uh, the problem is only going to get worse. And uh, and removing Title 42, thankfully, a judge in Louisiana uh, issued an injunction, which uh, prevents the administration from doing that. But even getting rid of it would make the problem a whole lot worse, Bill. Mm -hmm. Again, Rob, if I can go back to my premise, is the premise that we just want anyone who wants to be here to be here? Because if that's the case, okay, that's uh, us, America, welcoming people who want to come and have a better life in a better country. But I don't know why it doesn't seem reasonable to most every American citizen who pays taxes to allow this uh, person coming into our country to come in in a, in a nice legal way. That's right. That's absolutely right. And, and there, are, there are costs associated with it. Um, I mean, we, we have looked at some of the data, like where people tend to think about this as a problem for Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. That is no longer the case because what we find are the charitable organizations, many of them are religious affiliated, they are taking individuals who cross the border and they are transporting them to other states that are non-border states. I mean, Oklahoma mm -hmm. happens to be one of the largest. Uh, they're, you know, they're just uh, you know, north of Texas, so it's not surprising. But they're coming all over the country. And what does that mean? It does. As taxpayers, it does put a strain on, on what we as, as Americans, uh, the services that, that are provided to us. Because obviously, uh, these illegal immigrants need uh, health care. Uh, they're, they're going to be needing other services. They may have children. Uh, many of the, the people who are crossing now are families, uh, whereas uh, two decades ago, it was, it was mostly single individuals. So the, the extent of the crisis is, has, is much worse uh, the, today than it ever was 
in part because of the people who are making that trek. And, and let's face it, there, there's also the dangers that, they're, that they are putting themselves or their families in, uh, making that, that long journey northward. And so I, it's, it's a tragic situation, and it requires immediate attention. And I think that's why so many Americans are, are increasingly frustrated that they're not seeing this administration uh, take action. Uh, they're making excuses. Uh, they have undone some of the policies that appeared to be working at the end of the Trump administration. They'll like or dislike Trump, I say this all the time, Bill, uh, you have to admit that some of the policies were, in fact, working um, in, in a way that probably the administration should not have undone them on day one. Mm-hmm. Well, the love of Christ says we want to help everyone who needs help. But also then there you have to look at what are some of the, the negative things happening at the border, uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking, illegal drugs, and some of the cartels that I, what, from what I understand, are in control of the border. Yeah, uh, that, that's, an, that's another, uh, another big aspect of this that we, we shouldn't ignore. Uh, the drug cartels are operating um, in, in a way that is, is wreaking havoc on so many American communities. I mean, let's face it, over the course of the last year, more than 100,000 Americans died from drug overdoses. And that fentanyl that's coming across the border is coming from these cartels. I mean, we, we, we shouldn't be ignoring this. It's having a real uh, when we talk about the, every town being a border town, that's one of the aspects that we're talking about. It's not just the illegal immigrants who might be present in that community. It's the drugs that are making their way from Mexico and Central America into the United States and the inadequacies of, of local law enforcement to, to be able to, to handle or grapple with the situation, particularly when such a tiny, a minute amount of, of fentanyl can be deadly. Mm-hmm. Rob Louie is my guest. If you have a question for Rob, let me know what it is because he watches uh, TV 29 hours a day. So he knows everything. And you can just uh, send your question over to 877-933-2484. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. I always encourage you to head over to dailysignal.com. We'll be right back. me today to get my Tuesday started. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. Go to dailysignal.com, learn more about his team. So, Rob, I have not followed this very carefully, and I know you have, so I will appreciate your perspective on this, but this disinformation team, uh, it seems like, has it already come and gone? <laughs> well, well, we, we would like to think that it has, but unfortunately, <laughs> uh, that, is, uh, that, that is wishful thinking. Uh, what, what has come and gone is the woman who was supposed to be in charge of uh, this disinformation board at the Department of Homeland Security. But now uh, it appears that they have turned to the former Homeland Security Secretary, uh, Michael Chertoff, uh, and um, and another individual from the Clinton administration who are, are going to be spearheading, if not the exact same thing, but something similar. So uh, the government should just get out of the business of doing this. So this is really not, not, not something that I think we, we were just talking about our tax dollars and, and, this is not something I think Americans want uh, the federal government uh, policing. 
uh, we have we have a First Amendment for a reason. I, I think we all need to be discerning and and in our own media diets need to be making decisions that are are, are healthy in terms of what we're consuming. Uh, but to have some government agency trying to tell us uh, what is disinformation, I think is going to be just as fraud as it was when you saw Facebook and Twitter and some of the other social media platforms attempting to do this bill. And we saw how badly they botched this and, uh, and what, what the result was. We, we, we don't have our former president, Donald Trump, on any of these platforms, but we have uh, uh, dictators uh, from across the, the globe still able to use them. I mean, it's just a head scratcher, uh, some of the decisions that are made when you empower people to do these types of things. Mm-hmm. Rob, I know this uh, next topic, you know, impacts everybody. But is there any noteworthy updates on the gas and energy prices and where that's headed? Yes. Well, it's uh, unfortunately not looking good. I mean, I saw one prediction from an analyst this week who said we will be seeing six dollar or more uh, gasoline uh, by the time summer hits. I, mm-hmm. I thought, Bill, we had, you know, you and I were talking about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I I thought we may have been hitting the peak. And unfortunately, two weeks later, uh, gas prices are even higher. Uh, we went 10 straight days of setting new records. Uh, this is this is a problem that apparently is going to get worse. And I think that the important thing, and this is something that, uh, that uh, my colleagues at the Heritage Foundation, including our president, uh, Kevin Roberts, and our executive vice president, Derek Morgan, made compellingly in a recent op-ed, is that this is exactly the type of agenda or plan that the Biden administration wants to happen. They want the price of gas to go higher so that they can convince Americans that we need to rid ourselves of fossil fuel and accept the higher cost of these renewable sources of energy. And I think that that's sad because a lot of Americans are suffering in the interim period here. There are steps that this administration can take immediately, even just signaling that they're going to restart production here domestically in the uh, United States, I think would send a, 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 a really important signal to the, the markets, uh, not only here in the United States, but across the world, that the United States is going to get back to energy independence. But I don't think that that's ultimately what they want to do. I think they want the price of gas to get so high that people will go out and, and buy electric cars and they'll look for alternative sources of energy. And Bill, you know me, I'm an all of the above kind of guy. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I have long been a supporter uh, of hybrid vehicles or electric vehicles. I do think the cost is quite high for many Americans to be able to afford. And I think that there are uh, some unintended consequences. We still have to produce the batteries and everything that requires electricity and fossil fuels to do that. Uh, but to, to force Americans into a situation where we have to, to suffer the pain is, uh, is not, not, not good. And I don't think it's a welcome. Uh, I don't think anybody is, 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 is cheering this on as they're driving down the street looking at the price of gas go up and up and up. Mm-hmm. Rob, one of the things I don't understand, if you have if you have an elect, all electric vehicle and you're trying to drive cross country and you're in the middle of, you know, your socks don't match North Dakota and you realize I, I need I need energy. What do you do? Yeah, well, this is uh, th- 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 this was uh, something that I, I one of the, the more legacy or mainstream uh, sources in the, in the media was reporting on the new Ford uh, pickup truck which is going to be an electric vehicle. And they said at the end, one of the, the, the catch to this, of course, is the fact that it's not going to have the, uh, the ability to you know, go the full range that, uh, that you know, customers might expect it to. And so, yes, there, there's always that. 
uh, that that factor. And and I think we're we're not in a situation in this country where where all Americans can can simply stop off like they can at a gas station and, and refuel instantly. Yeah, even at a at a high speed charging station, you're still going to have to to wait. So it is um, it, it is a it is a challenge, and that's why I, I think that we are certainly getting there. The demand for Teslas and other electric vehicles seems to be definitely increasing. But we're not at a point, I think, where it's going to be uh, for from a mass consumption audience or mass consumption uh, drivers yet, because there um, there's not the infrastructure built. Uh, we will get there, Bill. I, I have no doubt about that. This is America, after all. But in the interim, we shouldn't be suffering. There are steps that, that the Trump right. administration takes, similar to what we do. We're just talking about on immigration. There were policies in place. Uh, you, you may not like all of them in terms of drilling, but there was a way to do it without coming in on, on day one, canceling the Keystone XL pipeline and now putting us in a predicament like we find ourselves today. Yeah. I mean, Rob, nobody put us in charge, but I think you and I would both vote for energy independence and be the leader in renewable energy. Yeah. Well, it, it, right. Absolutely. And, and I think that, it, that, that that should be that should be the answer. That's that should definitely be the answer. And, and Bill, the other thing we haven't even talked about yet in the context of this is the fact that look at what's going on in Europe as they are so dependent on Russia. And, and we, of course, have made the decision here that we're not going to buy Russian oil in the United States. And that's a, that's a, a noble decision and support show our support for our, our um, brothers in Ukraine. But at the same time, uh, you know, we can't be so reliant on, on a single source like so much of Europe is where they can't detangle themselves and, uh, and find themselves in a situation where they are, in essence, funding Russia's war against Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Rob, we just got a, a couple of minutes left. I got a message from a listener that the reason immigrants sneak in is because America does not welcome them in practice. It usually takes years to get approved years to get a green card, and I believe the majority of applicants are denied. It's often a lottery system. Many describe the system as rigged so that you can't get in. So I think I, I, I agree that um, it is a challenging system. Here's what I would propose, though, Bill. I think we, the first step we need to do is we need to secure the border. And I am a strong proponent of, of building a wall. Uh, there are people who have worked in the Border Patrol who who have you know, taken that position because they've been on the front lines and they, they speak to it. There are other steps that we can take. If we secure the border, I think let's have a conversation about reforming our legal immigration system. I'm sure that there are steps that we can take uh, to find solutions to address what, uh, what your listener just outlined. But the first step has to be securing the border. I, I think if you don't do that first, you find yourself in a situation where you only make the problem worse. Yeah. So Rob, what are your family plans for Memorial Weekend? Well, Bill, uh, we we going to open the uh, community pool, and the kids are on the swim <laughs> nice. team, so they are eager nice. to uh, to get started with uh, with summer swim and all of those lessons. Uh, it Sweet. is uh, it's going to be uh, hopefully a fun. And Bill, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say just as a as a closing word, my my prayers and my heart goes out to the victims of the the, the school shooting in Texas today. Um, uh, just a tragedy. We're we're keeping all of them in our, our thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Amen to that. You know, I'm, I don't know any of the details about that, so I apologize for being ignorant. So thank you for bringing that up and for and for um, praying for them. Appreciate you very much, Rob. Thank you, Bill. Have a good one. You bet. Yeah. Rob Blue has been my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal. All right. Coming up next, Dr. Alex McFarland is going to join me, and we're having a wonderful time talking about past theologians and some of the great wisdom that they have. We'll be right back.
Dr. Alex McFarland, I always feel smarter, I always feel more informed, and I always feel like I take a trip down uh, the lane of history where I learn all kinds about uh, past uh, authors and speakers, and, and uh, he's joining me today. He's himself an apologist, an author, and an evangelist, and he is an advocate for biblical truth, and he has, speaks all over the world and teaches biblical truths and preaches the gospel. That's what I love about Alex. Not to mention, he's my friend. Alex, welcome. Well, thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me back on, brother. Of course. I'm loving our little segment where we uh, you know, do a 21st century uh, PR for some of our greatest past dead theologians. Uh, yeah, I like what you said. That uh, I got a text from uh, Rosie, one of the producers, and said, we're going to continue talking about uh, you know, uh, important, insightful dead people. <laughs> so, something yeah. to that effect, you know? Yeah, yeah, because some of this is so important, it's so good, it's so rich, and I thought, you know, you, you are such a great historian and theologian and, and uh, apologist yourself that I would love to hear your perspective today on some of these uh, pearls of wisdom from the past. Now, today, I don't know if you know this, but I've chosen David Martin Lloyd-Jones as uh, Jones as our uh, our man of the hour. Oh, wow, the, who from what I've read, had a big influence on the late, great Billy Graham, didn't he? He did indeed. Yes, he was a Welsh uh, Protestant minister and, and a medical doctor, and he was quite influential in the British evangelical movement in the 20th century. So for almost 30 years, he was the minister of Westminster Chapel in London. So uh, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he had a big, significant uh uh, influence on so many people. And I've I've called some of my favorite lines from him, and I thought we could discuss it because uh, there's such wisdom here, Alex. So, well, I have, I have a good uh, 20th century evangelical trivia question, I suppose. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, being a medical doctor and a theologian, minister, exegete, can you name another great 20th century author, pastor, phenomenal Christian leader who himself also was a medical doctor. Have you ever heard of M.R. DeHaan? I have not. Uh, M.R. DeHaan of Radio Bible Class? Um, I have not heard of him. Yeah, he was a a medical doctor, too. In fact, wrote a very great book, and I don't want to get off of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, but um, M.R. DeHaan was a doctor, wrote a very famous book called The Chemistry of the Blood. It was about the blood of Jesus and human hemoglobin as well, but um, I've known a, a few. I didn't know him, but I have known of more than a few uh, MDs who became great uh, pastors. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, um, yeah. Martin Lloyd Jones, yes. Yeah, he was born in 1899 and he died in 1981. Mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. was, let's see, 81, carry the one. He would have been 82 when he died. Well, well. Yeah, I, d- I did the math for you. Um, there but you anyway. Go, Thank yeah, you. let's jump. Let's jump into some of the things he said that I just love. How about this for starters? Uh, David Martin Lloyd Jones said, "If you doubt your sins have been forgiven, that in itself is sin." Wow! Wow! <laughs> yeah, see what I mean? Isn't it? It really is. How many people walk around thinking, "I don't know if God's forgiven me," 
or I haven't been able to let go of this sin that I have in my life that I've asked for forgiveness, but I'm not sure God has forgiven me on that one. Well, well if you doubt we, your sins have been forgiven. Take, we've got to take God at his word and trust yes. what the Bible says about our positioning in Christ, don't we? Yes, we do. So let's let's make this a settled score right now. If you've confessed your sins to God, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Not some, not a little, not a few, but all unrighteousness. Yes, because, you know, John six thirty seven, Christ said, the one who comes to me, I will in no way cast out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bill, there, there may even be somebody listening right now and Maybe you've prayed the the salvation prayer a dozen times. You're still uneasy. Let me encourage people, trust God at his word. You know, um, John 10, 28, 29, Jesus says of the believer, I give to them eternal life and they will never perish. And nothing can pluck you out of my hand. To the believer, uh, as I was, Bill, uh, with a trembling heart, you know, Bill, I used to go, to sleep. I was a college student. I would every night go to sleep praying, Lord, please save me. You know, Jesus, I do believe. And, you know, I was afraid I would die in the night, not prepared. And finally, I was like, I I am going to have to take the Bible for what it says. And I know God can't lie. And Isaiah 118, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. And John six thirty seven, and here's one more, and then I want to give a little call to action. But First John five thirteen says these things were written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. So if you've believed on the name of the Son of God, you may know K N O W. Here's the thing I want to say to your dear listeners, Bill. There might be somebody out there, and I want to challenge you: give yourself permission to rest in Jesus. God won't so lie good. to you. And, and, you know, for a lot of reasons, sometimes people uh, need reassurance, but take Christ at his word and give yourself permission to have peace in your soul that you're right with God. Hmm. Excellent, Alex. So I want you to know, I want to go through these quotes from these theologians I usually, the ones that jump off the page are the ones that are speaking to me. So that's mm-hmm. just a little bit of a background when I'm looking at some of the many, many quotes that uh, David Martin Lloyd, Lloyd-Jones has. Um, but this next one is one I love, and that's this. Faith is the refusal to panic. Wow. Wow. Faith is the refusal to panic. That's really good. Do you know... Um, I love Winston Churchill. You and I have talked about Churchill a time or two, Bill. And I read a Churchill quote. And, of course, you know, um, Churchill almost single-handedly saved the Western world in the mid-20th century. But Churchill once said, leadership is the ability to hide your panic from the others. Mm. And so I, I like that admonition about not panicking, that Faith is uh, the refusal to panic. Read read that again, if you would, Bill. Um, Faith is the refusal to panic. Wow. Yeah, because, you know, um, emotions. Sometimes 
Emotions are a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's joy or or reminiscing or you know just reflection. But but I think about this. I was counseling somebody who had a, a frankly a problem with anger, and I said, "Can you tell me over the course of your life when has anger served you in a positive way?" And they said, "Well, never really." And I said, "So then let's establish some new." patterns of thought and reaction and two two um emotions that really and i know we all are susceptible but they really don't serve us in fact they hamstring us a lot of times one is anger and the other is worry Mm -hmm. and uh and there's this fine line from being prudent and responsible to being obsessive and worrying. And God wants us to be at peace. And so uh, some, sometimes we just have to say, Lord, uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I'm going to leave the management of the universe to you. Uh, Lord, I resign as general manager of the universe, so I'm not going <laughs> to worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. We're talking about David Martin Lloyd-Jones and his wisdom, a well-known, now dead theologian. Let's get to the next one, Alex. Um, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Wow. Wow. And I would assume the, the speech... Uh, that we ought to say to ourselves is is that uh, seasoned with salt, the Word of God, right? Mm-hmm. Listening to ourselves. Wow. You know, uh, Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things who can know it, which, mm-hmm. I mean, really means that we we don't even comprehend our own capacity for iniquity and inaccuracy. So talking to ourselves Bill, do you ever cringe whenever you'll hear somebody say, well, just follow your heart? Often, I cringe. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, my heart has gotten me in some bad situations, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so talk to yourself, but make sure that that message that you're imbibing is truth from the Word of God, right? Mm-hmm. Alex, I'm pretty sure that passage in Matthew, I think it's 11, that says, um, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. No, that's Proverbs 3, 5, Proverbs 6, and 7. 3, 5, 6, yeah. yeah. Um, but love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your yeah. neighbor as yourself. I think that's Matthew mm-hmm. 11. I think that the word heart in the Greek in that verse is the word kardeia, which means love God with the decisions you make. That mm-hmm. has nothing to do with feelings or emotions. It has to do with your thinking and, and the decisions you make. But I could exactly. be wrong about that. I'm wrong all the time. Well, you know, the Word of God, um, let, let me say that what the Word of God tells us to do is is often um, often counterintuitive to what we humanly might think we should do. I mean, you know, uh, love those who hate you and bless those who despitefully use you and, you know, forgive those who have hurt you. Mm-hmm. And First exactly. Corinthians 13, that love does not keep a record of wrongs. I mean, the world says, that, no, you know, um, you know, uh, an eye for an eye and bite back. And the mm-hmm. Word of God says, no, forgive. And so 
I'm with you that we are to do what God's Word says, even though it might be countercultural, counterintuitive, but we are to uh, let God's Word be our guide and our roadmap, not our own vacillating emotions or attitudes. Yeah, there's a lot of places in Scripture where the, uh, the, the most counterintuitive thing is being asked to be done, and people are scratching their head going, this makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, uh, I, I've often said this, we, we have to follow Christ even at the risk of being misunderstood. Um, oh, I like that. I, I, you know, sometimes I've, I've had students that felt led to go. You know, I, I had one student who got into a very prestigious psychology uh, postgraduate program, and they felt called to the, the mission field. And so we're just one of the greatest, finest Christian young people we've ever known. And his unsaved professors applauded the fact that he was following his calling. Oddly enough, the people that criticized him most vehemently were his family members. And uh, so, But yet he followed Christ. And so back to the quote, not listening to ourselves but talking to ourselves, I would say, yes, do talk to yourself. But make sure it's speech guided by and informed by the Word of God. Um, mm-hmm. That's why, um, do you know, in First Corinthians chapter 5, there, there are several things that we ought to point out here. But one of the things that it cautions against Christians um, being um, verbally abusive, and, and we should never be the one who says, you know, oh, you're no good. You always blow it. You're stupid. No, no, don't ever talk to people that way. But if you have been talked to that way, maybe you've been told that you always blow it and you, you're not good enough, you don't measure up, don't believe it. You are complete in Christ and have need of nothing. You are forgiven. Your name is written in high places. And I think oftentimes overcoming some wounds that have created very negative pa- patterns of thought. We've got to read the Word and believe in our true identity as God says what we are. Mm-hmm. Alex, I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and I've learned it, I've memorized it in a couple of different translations, but one that I often use is, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and He will show you the right way. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. You yeah, know, let me if, take a look. Oh, go ahead, Alex. We got a break. That's okay. I got another minute. Well, you know, if the Bible says we're complete in Christ, the flip side of that is we're incomplete outside of Christ. Amen. And so, uh, but the good news is, whosoever will may come. And uh, Martin Lloyd Jones is just one of those great people, like like you mentioned, that remind us of some timeless truths. Isn't it? Isn't it something that? They're true for every generation, and the power and the the miracle of, of Christ is available for all who will trust Him. Yeah, and you can do that today. You can put your trust and faith in Jesus today. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. We'll take a break, and we'll be back in just a minute. We're going to continue our discussion. Some of the credible wisdom of David Martin Lloyd-Jones. Be right back.
my guest. He's a apologist, author, evangelist. You can go to uh, alexmcfarland.com, learn more about him. We're talking today about the great David Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a uh, Welsh Protestant minister who died in 1981, was born in 1899, said a lot of great things. I want to continue our discussion with Alex about smart, dead theologians, because they have such wisdom that we can learn from. So here's another quote that I like uh, from David Martin Lloyd-Jones, Alex, and it's this, the Christian is a person who can be certain about the ultimate, even when he is most uncertain about the immediate. Wow. You know, great reminder. I, yeah, it's a great reminder. I, the immediate versus the ultimate. Do you know, mm-hmm. uh, so, sometimes I've delineated by talking about the the proximate versus the ultimate. Like you'll say such and such is in close proximity, close approximation. And um, I've had people say to me, they'll say, well, you know, if God is good and God is powerful, why is the world so messed up? Why is there war in the Ukraine? Why, you know, well, in Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for the good to those that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose doesn't say that all things are good. In fact, some things are just, you know, very tragic. But mm-hmm. what what the Word of God promises is that in an ultimate sense, yes, ultimately God will work everything out. And that's why in Genesis 50, Joseph could say to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good or turned into something good. So Martin Lloyd-Jones, that's a great distinction between the immediate and the ultimate, or the proximate and the ultimate. Um, Even a born-again believer, proximately, can have a bad day, a hard day. Bad things happen. Even godly, godly, obedient Christians have unemployment, health issues, family issues. But you know what? Over the big horizon, the good Lord makes it all work out. And and mm-hmm. I, I realize, you know, trusting him and walking by faith, it's not always easy, but we grow. Bill, isn't it true that some of the some of the deep valleys that we have to go through en route to the mountaintops, some of those deep, dark valleys, we learn things about the faithfulness of God we otherwise wouldn't have known. Not only is that so true, but I think people look back and reflect on those times that they almost brag about how they dug in in a way that they had never dug into their faith before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's like nutrition. I mean, we all love dessert, you know, uh, uh, cake and icing or cotton candy, but that's not where the nutrition comes from. Uh, along the journey, the Lord gives us some sweets, but also we have to have some Brussels sprouts. And uh, it's it's not the dessert that gives you the best protein and nutrition. It's the vitamins that come from the vegetables. And it's like the valleys that deepen us, not just the mountain peaks. But uh, that that's that's good. Uh, would you share that quote again, that Martin Lloyd-Jones quote? Yes. Uh, the Christian is a man who can be certain about the ultimate, even when he is most uncertain about the immediate. Well. You know, I know um, one of the people that was a big influence on Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was Charles Spurgeon. And mm-hmm. famously, Spurgeon said, uh, never doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. And when you don't understand, 
because uh, Spurgeon said, God loves you too much to hurt you. He's too wise to make a mistake. When you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart. Of course, it was mm-hmm. a very famous chorus that used those words. But yeah, when you can't trace his hand, in other words, you say, Lord, I, I don't know what's going on here. But you mm-hmm. can trust who he is. And um, there's some dark nights of the soul. There's some, you know, waiting until the morning light comes. But I've never found God to fail me. I've never found God to betray me. I've never found God to hurt me. In fact, I've, I've found that God prevents me from getting hurt. Uh, but we, we trust him and we don't panic in the face of the immediate and some of the quotes that I was drawn to by uh, David Martin Lloyd-Jones, because he is a medical doctor, I was wondering how much connection he had between the mind and the body. Because some of these quotes, like this one, Alex, if you look at your past and are depressed, it means that, you're, that you are listening to the devil. Or, uh-huh. or if uh, we only spent more of our time in looking at him, we will soon forget ourselves. Wow. Well, you know, like any good physician, um, Dr. Jones knew that, yeah, there is a connection between the psychological, the mental, emotional, and the physical. Absolutely. Um, You know, I've done more than a few funerals. Uh, You're not in the ministry very long before you do some funerals. And, Bill, I, I have seen saints of God that... You know, maybe a tragedy happened or a spouse went on to be with the Lord, and they decided they were just going to die. And, you know, ultimately, only the Lord knows the day of our departure. That's Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed unto man once to die. But let me just say this, that state of mind really has a big influence on the, the, the physical status. And so... Yes, Dr. Jones probably knew that. Um, does my memory serve me, Bill? He was one of these that used that first initial at D, period. D, Martin Lloyd-Jones, didn't he? But his, yeah, uh, but his name was David. Yeah, yeah, very good. Hey, do you remember this? Does my memory serve me? Was he the guy who said preaching is logic on fire? I don't know, Alex, if he said you ever that. come across that quote? I'm pretty sure, and again, he was, you know, a big influence on Billy Graham, who uh, I love so much. But I, I think about it, that the Word of God is logical. It is reasonable. Um, come now, let us reason together. You know, Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah 118. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones said, preaching is logic on fire. I mean, that, what a great image that is. We're I not love supposed that. to— yeah, we don't just prattle, and we don't just put out platitudes. No, it is logic, it's revelation, it's reason, but it's empowered on fire by the Holy Spirit. I remember Chuck Colson's testimony in his book, Born Again, where he was sitting at the end of the driveway of this person's house that he talked to, and he and this man talked to him about Jesus. He said, I was sitting in my car, and he said, I was overwhelmed by a rash of reason that the thing I should do is turn my life over to Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah. It, it wasn't an well, emotional high. It was, I was overwhelmed with a rash of reason that this was the right thing to do. You know, there, Bill, there may be somebody listening right now. And 
folks, it is no accident that you're hearing this broadcast, and maybe you know about Jesus, but today is the day that the Spirit of God is calling you to open your heart to Jesus. And you do that. It's not hard. And you may feel emotion. You may not. Um, But the Word of God says that if we will admit that we're a sinner, and if we will believe, we'll believe what? Believe Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Son of God. And he went to the cross, and he did that for us. And if you'll say, Lord, I am turning from sin. I turn away from sin, Lord, the best way I know how. I'm trusting in you. Jesus, forgive me. Christ, come into my life. Save me. Bill, you know this, and I I know this. Chuck Colson, brilliant guy, experienced this. Martin Lloyd-Jones preached it. Listeners, no matter who you are, it doesn't matter who you are, if you will put your faith in Jesus and say, Christ, save me today. Please forgive me. Um, I'm trusting what you did on the cross. I believe you did it for me. Then the word of God promises that, yes, Jesus will save you. You can know you'll go to heaven when you leave this world. Bill, I bet they can contact Faith Radio, and you'll encourage all these people in their faith in Jesus. Yep. You can email me, Bill, at MyFaithRadio.com. Alex, thank you. Have a great rest of the day. God bless you all. Thanks so much, Bill. You bet. We'll take a short break, and we're back. Jeff Verdorn's joining me for the Feast of Israel with New Testament Fulfillment. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.